The Fontenelle Final Bell Podcast is presented by Fontenelle Hybrids. The solutions you need, the relationships you trust. It's time for the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Clay Patton. Talking the trade with us today, Sam Hudson of Corn Belt Marketing, Brimfield, Illinois. Sam, thanks for coming on and joining us today. As we take a look here at the closing market numbers for grains, soybeans, the big mover on the day, helping to keep corn up behind them, wheat losing on the day. Let's break down and start here with the positive news. Soybeans, is China the big driver here? Uh, yeah, obviously. I mean, the last, uh, you know, month or so, 45 days or more, we've been, you know, back and forth on what's going to happen with this whole thing. And, um, you know, the trade was a little leery last week because it really wasn't because we hadn't heard any negative or positive news. And the longer that drawn out, uh, I think the trade assumed that the, the higher the odds could be that we could get into, you know, a continued trade war here. And now with the announcement that all that's going to be put on hold, uh, and, you know, furthermore, announcements that we could see, you know, even more interest for the U.S. ag products, I think, is definitely a supportive note. However, we have to, you know, keep in mind that we haven't heard any specific details on this yet, and that'll be what the trade is going to be, you know, searching for here in the weeks ahead. And as we start to break down this Chinese trade, it, there's been this trading mentality here over the last couple months of buy these rumors and then occasionally sell on the fundamental news, which can really create some volatile times. Until this trade agreement comes out in writing, until it's finalized and officiated, what is the downside risk here, especially on the beans? You know, I think it's going to be somewhat minimal in the sense that, uh, you know, we've got this optimism now. And the markets, you know, if you look at the chart, we're still a little bit lower here than we were even just a few weeks ago. So I actually think, you know, unless we come out here, you know, right away tomorrow and, and this is kind of a, mute, a moot point and, and there's not a lot of sales behind this, um, you know, there, there could be a strong possibility of running, you know, July or even November beans up to the 10, 1035 to 1050 area, somewhere in there. I think you're going to have to have a little bit more ammunition or a little more headline power uh, to push prices above those levels uh, in the short term. I think one positive thing is we, we've corrected the soybean funds position, uh, you know, in a pretty good way here over the last couple of weeks. That gives us fodder here on the sidelines for money to come back in and some of those aggressive sellers last week to maybe get chased out of the market. But, again, until we see some sort of confirmation where we've got further sales, or something like that, uh, it may be hard for the market to just rattle off uh, a lot of higher prices here. And then I, I, I would still kind of revert to and default to our, our weekly demand totals. And, you know, this week's export inspections, I think it's noteworthy that the last couple of weeks uh, we've been, you know, trending a little bit better in those soybean inspections, and we can catch up a lot faster there uh, than we can in a market like corn. So we'll keep an eye on that uh, in the weeks ahead and see if we can go from over 10% behind on the typical pace to maybe more on pace here even 30 days from now. Now, a lot of folks have kind of talked about the possibility of a bullish corn market, but really it seems to be kind of caught in limbo between beans and wheat. Last week when wheat was making the moves higher, corn was following it. Today, beans are moving higher, and corn just trying to stay there behind it. Is there some fundamental news we can take out of this China possibility that could help the corn market? Well, I think the sentiment in the neighboring markets obviously is always a, a helpful, you know, factor there. But keep in mind, you know, the biggest pin here for our corn prices this year is going to be our summer weather. With, with acres still advertised at 88 million, if we assume that number is correct, uh, there's not a big room for for a significant yield loss. So. Uh, and I think the risk is, is that we actually learned we planted more acres of corn, but you know the weather here over the next couple of weeks in some of these areas may still dictate 
uh, some of that you know last minute acreage switching or, or if farmers are still able to seed corn versus moving into something like soybeans instead so uh, definitely still some merit there to be watching planting progress. Uh, does it matter so much today? Maybe not. But the last 10 to 15% of the crop in the upper Midwest could be really slow to go, and we'll keep a real close eye on that. But with the demand we've got here, uh, not a lot of downside here in the corn unless we see that acreage number balloon at the end of June. And, uh, you know, if, the, if there's trouble overseas in the Black Sea or Australia or even the Canadian prairies and wheat, uh, I still think wheat is a huge factor moving forward because we're planting so few acres that if you send wheat prices high enough to where you know, the world's got to come after the U.S. carryout because there's a problem elsewhere, and we put wheat prices high enough to steal acres back from corn and beans next year. All of a sudden, you got yourself a pretty nice acreage battle going. And as we start to move into that wheat, yes, it did lose some traction today, but it really looks like it still could have some bullish technical potential sitting underneath of it. We we really are trading a global weather pattern right now. The Black Sea area got some moisture. Is that enough to keep the sustained pressure on the sell side, or is this just a temporary day trade? I think it's temporary day trade. I think part of the problem that we had today is it's been, um, you know, there was a trend to buy these grains here, you know, over the last 45 days, let's call it, with the, you know, the drought in the plains, you had some concern in the Black Sea, uh, and you had funds that were pretty short. Well, the funds aren't holding an extremely short position at this point, so you can't really exploit that. And I think what this all adds up to is unless we see weather to be a real main driver, we could stay range-bound in all three of these markets across the board here for the next 30 days without another catalyst. And, and again, that could come in the form of weather or a headline. And I think that's generally where we're going to be stuck for right now uh, because we just got plenty of wheat here in the U.S. And, again, you have to give reason to, or people a reason to come after it, and the higher our prices go, the more we take ourselves out of the export market in the meantime. We're not too far away from seeing combines roll in the extreme south U.S. on the early portion of the U.S. wheat crop. And this in the U.S. wheat crop's been dinged by dry weather and other factors. How important, once we start getting some of those early harvest reports back, will that influence the market? You know, I, I think it's going to have, a, you know, short-term impacts where you see these reports, you know, what is it versus what traders are expecting and vice versa. Uh, the abandonment may be a bigger issue for corn and soybeans because if, if uh, you know, they abandon the wheat acres, but they have moisture because the plains have gotten some, but it was too late for the wheat. Well, now do the, does the farmer have confidence in planting some corn or maybe some beans here at this point in the season still? Uh, and, and what meaning could that have? But at the end of the day, you know, whether our wheat yield is a bushel or two above or below where people expect it to be, we still have you know at least 800,000 probably to, or excuse me, 800 million to a billion bushels here sitting on the sidelines, and it's just not a bullish environment. Uh, again, you've got to have a catalyst overseas to really change that trend, and if that happens, you know, that could be a boon for corn and beans as we go into 2019. We're covering the grain markets right now with Sam Hudson of Corn Belt Marketing, Brimfield, Illinois, joining us here on the Fontenelle Final Bell. And really, we've covered a lot of ground. The big news still breaking out today that China may be quieting those drums of the trade war. Still, that's not a finalized thing. And many, including Sam, are saying, be cautious here. This is not a finalized trade deal. Let's see what happens. Coming up next on the Fontenelle Final Bell, we talk livestock, especially those June live cattle, seeing one of the first limit-up days of the entire contract history. Keep listening to the Rural Radio Network. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Clay Patton. Joining us to talk the trade today again, Sam Hudson, Corn Belt Marketing, Brimfield, Illinois. Sam, in our last segment, we covered a lot on the grain news, and really the big news that's affected the markets across a broad spectrum is the Chinese trade news that they may be sitting down to the U.S., and we may be getting some of this sorted out. Again, none of it officialized, but the uh, the possibility is definitely floating out there, and it's given some bullishness to the markets. We talked a lot 
lot about grains in our last segment. Sam, let's touch on livestock now. Live cattle really seeing a big rally today. Feeder cattle following them. What did you see on your side of the trade? You know, I think part of this is, you know, you see a lot of aggressive selling last week and a lot of frustration to boot, too, I guess, with cash prices still, you know, holding quite strong above where those futures values were. However, they were in in a steady decline along with the futures. And I think, uh, you know, with this announcement, you're getting that knee-jerk reaction with some of those shorts maybe bailing out of the market. Maybe we go back into kind of the middle of what we've seen for the range here over the last two or three weeks until we can confirm what details might come out of this deal. And, and when I say that, I mean, you know, maybe June back to the 106 area, something like that. But if you close over that, just from a money flow standpoint, uh, you know, the funds had cleared out a lot of their long positions. There were some people even advising to go short after last week's debacle. And if you got to chase some of those guys out of the market, fundamentally, I don't know if we have to go there with, the, you know, how, how much we're killing in this, you know, proverbially a wall of, of cattle. Uh, but it wouldn't be out of our own possibility to see maybe a, uh, still see a, a test of 110. Now, do we need to go much higher than that? Probably not. If we were to see that in the short term, I think that offers a hedging opportunity. Uh, and keep in mind here, too, that back in March when we saw this trade fear hit the, the cattle complex, uh, we saw the acceleration uh, in, in the liquidation, obviously, in that fear. Um, but then people quickly realized, just like in the soybeans, that, hey, it's a world market. Let's look at these details and, and realizing that most of the beef trade that we do goes to Hong Kong, and a lot of those tariffs were put on uh, mainland exports from U.S. to China, and the fact that you're starting out from such a low percentage on mainland China, you know, some were thinking here that if we see some changes to the beef policy, uh, that we could actually see a pretty decent increase there because there's so little that actually goes to that region, and will they start to adjust that here moving forward? Sam, let's switch gears now from livestock to market strategy here where we're seeing some increased volatility once again start to enter into these markets. Are there signs that producers need to be watching for when it comes to this and making their marketing decisions and strategies right now? Well, you know, we always talk about, you know, being specific to your operation. Everyone's got different break-evens, different uh, abilities to store crop and so forth, different insurance. I mean, we all know this that story. But the one thing that I do notice is you finally got this corn market up 420, 4 and a quarter. Uh, with volatility actually at a pretty reasonable level here, you know, holding over 20, 21%. And for this time of year, that's a respectable level. Could it go higher? Absolutely. But some of that's still going to be predicated on some of these headlines that we're talking about, but more importantly, weather as we go into the, you know, key, uh, you know, reproductive cycle of this crop. And, you know, again, I, I think it's, you know, p- quite possible that if we don't see any overbearing headlines from this Chinese thing, that we could get into a range-bound market. And the biggest risk for corn, again, is the potential to see an increased acreage number. I think the later spring probably reduces some of those fears. But keep in mind, you know, between corn and beans, uh, we, you know, maybe had you know, maybe 3 million acres or so the USDA could potentially find compared to last year. So I think when you get into situations like this, if you've got your margins there, especially for your harvest delivery stuff, um, one could consider using some sort of option strategies where you can own some puts and sell some calls for a decent, uh, you know, price and not have to spend too much to, to carve into those, uh, those margins, but still give yourself some upside, but have some protection, uh, so that we can at least see how weather plays out here into July because we know there's not a lot of room for that yield. And, uh, you know, every, every million acres we add is a couple extra bushel to the acre. So those, those factors are out there. Also keep in mind in the background here, we've seen the U.S. dollar move to some pretty, uh, high levels compared to what we've seen here over the last few months. The Brazilian real and South, most South American currencies have done nothing but go lower. So if we don't see a continued boost here from these Chinese headlines or from weather, we could uh, start to you know get a little bit thinner from the export standpoint, just be from a currency value standpoint. Uh, you know, moving forward here over the next 30 to 45 days. 
And you were talking about currencies there, Sam. As we continue to see, the U.S. dollar has had a very good run-up here. Are there other uh, things emerging out in the world that could help some of these emerging currencies like the Mexican peso, the Brazilian real, to take back some of that gain the U.S. dollar seen recently? You know, I think so. I think we've seen kind of a knee-jerk reaction in those markets. This is just kind of a personal opinion, but this 93 and a half, you know, area, if we can see sustained closes over here, then we could still see a, maybe a trade as high as 95, but I tend to think we're going to go a little more range-bound. I think the fact that we've had some positive, uh, you know, economic data, it's got some fearing that the Fed could act a little bit quicker as far as rate rises, even some claiming they could do another one in here in June, and that's what's helped to propel the dollar, but you know, is there an overwhelming reason why we need to continue to just see that go straight up? I, I tend not to think so. Uh, so I think you're going to see your peaks and valleys still, but for the short term, uh, maybe the U.S. can still garner this export, uh, you know, benefit because the South American farmers just don't trust the currency. They don't trust the government, and they want, they'd rather hold on to their physical corn and soybeans as opposed to actually sell them. And that's, good, you know, something that's still working in our favor, especially after a 30-year drought in Argentina. That's Sam Hudson, Corn Belt Marketing, joining us. Corn Belt Marketing located Brimfield, Illinois. Sam, we've covered a lot of ground today. Our first segment focusing heavily on the grains, which saw some big news today, some big moves there as well. But really, we also got a hit on another big mover today. That was in those live cattle contracts, June live cattle, August live cattle, being able to touch limit up before settling slightly lower. Keep listening to the Rural Radio Network and the Fontenelle Final Bell. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network.